Bald Men on Campus with Jay Billis, LaFonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. Welcome to Bald Men on Campus. I'm Seth Greenberg, joined by uh, LaFonso Ellis, whose name is going to go up in the ring of honor at Notre Dame in another week, which we're very excited about. And the great Jay Billis, who's just called 8,000 games in three days. Uh, <laughs> And absolutely, every time he go to break at the four-minute timeout, have you noticed what he does, LaFonso Ellis? What he does is I say something just to try to bring him into the conversation. Yes. And then what he does is he absolutely kills me at my <laughs> And I have no chance to go back at it. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's sacrilegious. It's unfair. It's wrong. There's just nothing right with that. <laughs> and Jay, just so you know, in the background, in the background, Seth is going, hey, can I get a chance to say something back? Can we get something back? <laughs> you know what, though, Seth? You're lucky it's only me and not Jason Benetti, who is the funniest dude I have ever worked with and has the sharpest wit. And if we were ever in sort of a, an insult contest, uh, he would bludgeon all of us, Uh, (laughs) that guy. And he, and he's too nice to do it on the air. Like, like he does it off the air, but he is that, that guy is one of the, one of the sharpest knives in any drawer I've ever, I've ever seen. He's, he's, I'm, I'm sure he gave it a couple of couch, 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 couch. <laughs> <laughs> my guy, my guy, my guy. So, all right. So, all right. Talking about my guys, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Jay, first takeaway over the top. First takeaway is the top teams in the Big Ten are, are, better than the top teams in the ACC. Um, it, you know, when you get down to the middle, I think the, the Big Ten is stronger too. Um, but I think overall, like Duke is the best team in the ACC that I, that I see. Yeah. Uh, I don't think the ACC is very strong this year relative to what it has been. And, and uh, it is not going to give a ton of resistance to the top teams. I was really impressed with North Carolina's win over Michigan. Uh, but but I was blown away by Purdue again. Every time they play, I think they're better, and I think they're the best team, and I think they're better every time I see them play. And then uh, when Ohio State gets Justice suing back, yeah. they're they're going to be they're going to be a lot better than they are now, and they're pretty darn good now. Fonts? Yeah, I, I share the same sentiment, and it's stuff we talked about a little bit last night. Is man coming into the when we did our first podcast. I was convinced that seven to eight teams from the ACC would get to the NCAA tournament. I'm not so sure now that they're going to get six. I think four. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's mind boggling to think of. And uh, like right now it would be Duke. Um, it would be Duke for me, Virginia tech, um, North Carolina, and then somebody fighting for the fourth, fifth, and sixth positions. I'm, I'm, I'm still blown away at how soft the ACC is this year compared uh, to the Big Ten. Yeah, look, Hans, I agree with that. I think that, you know, look, the Big Ten struggled in the, the Big East Big Ten Challenge, the Gavin mm-hmm. Games. But the top of the Big Ten is separating. And there are other teams that are emerging in the Big Ten. Like, I think yeah. Illinois is going to get better when they get healthy. I think they're going to be improved. But Michigan State's getting a little bit better. I, you know, I can't figure out Michigan. I thought that you know, we, we talked about it, Fonz, all, all weekend. Uh, you know, Michigan, 
a little bit like Memphis in a different way. The pieces don't fit. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. last year, you lose Michael Smith. You lose Sean yes. Brown. You lose Isaiah Livers. You lose Franz Wagner. You mm-hmm. lose guys that can beat the post, that can yes. play off the ball, that can make a play, that can make a mm-hmm. shot. And let's face it, your spacing's connected to your ability to make shots. Right. Hunter Dickinson looked disinterested yesterday. Right. A lot had to do with no one. Like, he's not going to be open forever. No. Nope. Yeah, like, it's hard to get him the ball. And, and then – as opposed to like say Purdue that posts from the top, by the time they get it reversed, and by the time that guy on the wing heads it for Michigan, he's mm-hmm. no longer open. So right. I'm not sure Michigan is is going to be there, but I do think that there are emerging teams in that in the Big Ten. Jay Purdue, and I saw him in person at the Mohegan Sun. I, I I joke around. They're like Noah's Ark. They got to everything. I mean, like it's unbelievable. <laughs> and, and and those two big guys are are Ooh. so good. But Jaden Ivy is so good, and the ball never gets stuck. Like I sent Matt Pater a text message after the game. I said I could watch your team play for hours. Mm. Like like the ball never gets stuck. I mean, boom yeah. boom boom boom. They don't take bad shots. They share the ball. Stefan Bitch. He's shooting like 43, averages five assists a game. I mean, each right. guy just does what they do. I mean, I, they they just blow me away. I mean, anyone else in the in, in that ACC Big Ten, like Virginia Tech, you buying them more now? Obviously, Ohio State may buy any anyone you, you're saying, you know, I think they might be better than we think. I think North Carolina is better than than people thought. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've had a couple of struggles. They they lost both those games up at the Mohegan Sun, that really good tournament you were talking about, Seth. Uh, but then they ran, uh, you know, they ran Michigan kind of out of there. You know, it's not the score ninety five points variety that it was a, a couple of years ago when they were when they were really good. But I think they're going to get there, uh, and I like their personnel. I think they're figuring it out. I mean. You know, there, there have been some teams I've seen where where, you know, you're seeing unselfish players play selfishly, if that makes sense. So Oregon mm-hmm. was the prime example. Yeah. So yeah. I'm trying to be, you know, state this the right way, because the guy, the, the players were really trying to do the right thing. Right. But they just weren't doing it. And mm-hmm. and they run that they run their stuff in practice. But then when they get real into real game situations, they weren't doing it and the ball was sticking and guys weren't moving and, and they get mired in it. And instead of having, you know, because of all the transfers, maybe they've got, uh, you know, this, a leadership deficit where there's nobody to grab everyone and say, come on, let's get together. We're okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and guys go into, in, you know, sort of individual mode, not, not in a bad way, mm-hmm. but you know, they Superman stuff and trying to take it on their own and, um, and I've seen that with a few teams, but I think I think some of them are going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to have a whole lot of time to figure it out once you get to January. Then, yeah. then it's going to be, you know, kind of in a foxhole and trying to, you know, trying to survive it. You can't figure much stuff. You know, you're not going to be figuring it out. Uh, yeah. the, the fundamental stuff, I don't think you're going to be figuring out then. You're going to be getting better, but you're not going to figure it out. The team that's curious to me is uh, Michigan State. Uh, we all thought early on that Michigan State was a – top 25, maybe even the top 15 caliber team. And they've been so inconsistent. The thing that has been consistent for them is they've been turn, continually turning the basketball over. But I thought uh, their win over Louisville, I know Louisville struggles to score, but Louisville's a good defensive team. They did a great job of playing in the gaps, keeping them from turning the corner and getting down in the lane. But as I look at that team, uh, if Malik Hall can be a – 
that dude, that dude could be like a mismatch nightmare for them because he's showing that he can knock down the three ball, catch and shoot three ball on reversals. You can post him. Uh, I, I, I'd love to see him be more consistent and emerge. He'll, he'll have a big game and then he'll kind of disappear for about three or four games. And then he'll come back and have a big game like he did against Louisville. And I, I, I thought Jaden Akins really gave them a spark off the bench. A guy who knocked down the threes, which means he can spread the floor and they can create some driving lanes. Cause that's the, that's the issue this year with the Michigan state team. I don't know if they have anyone, maybe Hogard that can, in a short clock situation with seven seconds on the clock, you can say, hey, go get one. Last year, that guy was Aaron Henry. So I'm still trying to figure out if I feel this Michigan State team is a top 15 team uh, versus a team that's kind of near the top 25. But I do like uh, their performance, especially in the second half against Louisville. Look, they've been really good defensive fines. By the way, you just broke a record because it's the first time I've heard you talk about Michigan State that I didn't hear that Gabe Brown had to get 15 and six. I got to keep you off balance, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, if we're going to talk Michigan State, I know one thing about Fonz, he's going to tell me that Gabe Brown, I'm telling you, if Gabe Brown gets 15 and six, Michigan State's going to be just fine. Uh, but but they are defending. I mean, they, I guess mm-hmm. that's, a, they, they've been pretty consistent defensively. I mean, yep. and I, I agree with Malik Hall. I mean, I you know, the hardest thing as a coach is not knowing what you're going to get out of a guy. Like you go into a game and say, you know, Ellis is going to get us 20. Bills is going to get us five and five rebounds. Greenberg's wow. not Greenberg's not Greenberg's <laughs> not going to get in the game. Anyway, Greenberg's not going to get in the game because he's going to turn it over too many times. But I mean, like, if you're if you're Tom, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. Like Bingham's getting a little bit better. Gabe's been more consistent, but like, mm-hmm. you know, Hogarth sometimes he you know gets to the basket and doesn't run people over. Sometimes he does. Walker mm-hmm. had 10 assists yesterday, but he, he doesn't yes. look really comfortable. I thought Brooks' ability to make a shot and Aikens, those, those are steps. But Malik Hall's the guy. I mean, like that dude yeah. looks like he should be really good and really productive. Now, I got seven teams. Tell me, if agree, disagree. Purdue, Duke, Zags, UCLA, um, Baylor, Kansas, and I think the wild card, I think Arizona. I think I think no, I watched a ton of Arizona today. Now mm-hmm. they haven't played the greatest competition. Damn, they're good. Yeah. Like they're they're like they're like Gonzaga 2.0 with a splasher like the Euro Cup. Yes. I mean, I mean, they are really, really good. So those are like my seven that, you know, and then I've got a couple like on the outside. Like I got Texas, you know. Maybe on the outside, just because they haven't played basically anyone. Right. Like Nova, who I'm, I worry about their front court, or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, maybe Oklahoma, you know, who's playing better. But do you, do you got, uh, where, where do you see like, got teams that we, we, we're going to start to talk about more because they've separated themselves? I like your list. Uh, I would have included Villanova in there. And I, I agree with you that Arizona is a top 10 caliber team. Uh, that has really good personnel and they can score pretty easily. Uh, you know, I think that that Purdue is going to be kind of like we had Gonzaga last year and uh, and Baylor before Baylor had the COVID thing at the very end. Uh, they they had separated from everybody. I I, I think Purdue is going to be the separated and it's going to be the separated team. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't see like look they're they're going to get they're they're going to lose a game. Uh, yes. They might lose yeah. two. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But but they're not going to lose very many. And mm-hmm. you don't like you don't play seven or eight games and show that kind of high level consistency. They haven't had 
their their worst game this year from a number standpoint and performance standpoint would be touted as the best performance by a top 10 team for somebody mm-hmm. else. That's how good it's been. Mm-hmm. And, and it's been remark. It's been eerily consistent. And, you know, your point Seth about, you know, having two of everything um, it, it really does give Matt Painter a lot of flexibility that if somebody's not having a great day, not that they're having a bad one, but right. they're not having a great, somebody's always going to be having a great day in that crew. And, uh, and that, that's pretty scary. And, and they're a selfless group. Like, like they give yes. the ball up because they know they're going to get it back. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a pretty good feeling for, for a coach. And I'm sure for, for the, the players on that team. Just one note about them, Jay, and I have to look to you and Seth for this one. Zach Eady, if you front him or high side him, he walks you all the way up to almost the elbow, <laughs> which creates, I mean, some of the entry passes that they make to him, sometimes they look like they're coming from the 28-foot line. But, but the point I wanted to make about them, how, how much do you guys think uh, that – how much do you think can be contributed to the fact that they kind of know their identity? They're an inside outside team. And because of the simplicity of that, and of course having the personnel to be able to support that uh, allows for them to be a little bit more consistent than some of the other teams who, uh, who still trying to find themselves. I think they're a veteran team Fonz. I mean, I mean, look at their team. You know, I mean, for like Thompson, uh, his brother played it at, at, at Purdue yeah. been around Purdue. Hunter's been there multiple years. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Kobe first is really the only freshman that they're really relying yeah. on. Trayvon Williams, obviously, is a senior. I mean, they're a veteran group. You, like I watched Florida State today. Florida State tried to play up the line on him. And you're right. Yeah. It was it was almost hilarious. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, they're fronting and playing up the line. And he's just moving them up. They're running. They're running that little Iverson cut one way. They're running yes. the guy out the other side. Yes. And they're just going whoop. I mean, and then it's like nerd. It's like the dude plays like. I still remember. I mean, I could on that little plastic basket when I had hair, man, I could just throw that sucker down. I mean, it's like a joke with the guy. It's like whoop. All right, like, but I mean, I just think they're so like they got. Ivy can get a shot whenever he wants, but he doesn't yep. chase shots. You know, Stefanovic knocks down jumpers, but he's a great post feeder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caleb first can shoot it, but the ball finds him off the glass. I mean, the point, the guards are unselfish. Mm-hmm. Newman, Newman's a good player. I mean, mm-hmm. they just they got a lot of they just got a lot of good players. Any thought? Hey, any thoughts on Texas, Kentucky, Alabama? Because we got Alabama Gonzaga this week. Uh, you know. Any thoughts on like those type of, you know, teams from maybe even a Seton Hall or, you know, Florida lost yesterday, but I still like Florida a little bit. Yeah. Like any, any outliers that, you know, we're going to see and, you know, because a lot of teams are getting into league play now. Right. You know I mean? Like, I mean, league play, I mean, the Pac-12 is into league play. I mean, the big, big 10 is into league play tomorrow. Yeah. I, 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 I I like, go ahead, Jay. I'm sorry. No, I did. I was just scratching my head. I'm listening to you. <laughs> I, I do that. I do that to a lot of people. He <laughs> <laughs> wasn't fixing the air on his head. I, can yeah. I, I, when I, when I, I, th- I think Kentucky uh, could emerge late. Obviously, they have a whole bunch of new guys that are playing with each other and trying to get a, a, a feel for each other. But there's two things that I think of right now. That, that they do consistently. You know when that basketball's rebounded, severe wheeler is coming at you 95 miles an hour trying to get to the front of the rim, create offense for himself or easy offense for his, for his teammates. 
Oscar Sheboy, you know, they're not necessarily giving them 15, 20 touches down the post and letting them go to work. But I, I love guys that can impact the game uh, in other ways. And that dude is a monster on the offensive glass. And so, you know, not traditional North Carolina teams. I, I like the fact that when they take a shot, it's a 50-50 chance of Oscar Sheboy's going to come up with an offensive rebound putback. And so I like the, I like that basis for their identity. And I just think all the rest of the pieces will start to fit in as they play more games and get more comfortable playing with each other. I think Kentucky could emerge maybe as that ninth or 10th team that we could be talking about in March. Yeah. I kind of look at it from, you know, you get asked the question, you know, which teams can win it. And then you get the, mm-hmm. this kind of amorphous question of, you know, give me a team that can make a run. And you go, okay, what does a run mean? You know, does, does a run mean get to the sweet 16? Because for mid-major, usually that's what it means. Or does a run mean mean challenging for the whole thing, getting the final four and beyond? Like I think Kentucky and Texas, uh, it can continue to get better. And, it, and if they if they stay healthy and and sort of peak at the end, uh, they can they can win four games in the NCAA tournament. But but I think though I think the list of teams that that can win the whole thing, I think Seth read them out, yeah, and uh, and and that's it. I think the champion's going to come from that list. Maybe you know maybe with Villanova if they they do extraordinarily well, but um, but that list of, of I think seven or seven or eight whatever you read, Seth, mm-hmm. uh, I'd be shocked if the champion didn't come from the top of that list. Agreed. Yeah, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I'm interested to see, like, we're getting into the season. We've had some games canceled. Mm. I mean, we've yeah, had some Washington. games. Yeah, Washington, Washington, Washington I guess Nevada now has had some issues. I mean, you know, knock on wood, hopefully, you know, we can kind of navigate this. Now, one thing before Chris Holtman comes and joins us, uh, this, this coming week, the V Classic, Madison Square Garden, got four really good teams. You know, Villanova, Syracuse. Syracuse had a good win. Uh, Got ugly. I mean, like we saw two games yesterday. We saw a game, <laughs> Nebraska, NC State, and Syracuse and Indiana. I am convinced both teams in both games won it and lost it, and neither of them even wanted to win it. <laughs> well, Bayheim came out in a 1-3-1 against uh, Indiana, which I was a little surprised at. You know, at first I thought they were just a you know tandem out front, and they you know get into the 2-3 off the first pass and all that stuff. And uh, and I was a little surprised that it took Indiana to, that long to figure it out, but uh, but Syracuse, man, when they hit shots, they're they're you know kind of like Jim says, well, we hit shots, we're hard to beat. You know, we're good when we hit shots. We don't hit shots, we we stink. Right. I think the key for them is you got to do the hand. You got to do the hands, though. Bill, you give me the hands. Are we in the tournament now? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh now he's one of those that says that though if, if, if he can just get in they can make a run and they do and, and they, he's yeah. right he does it every time i mean it's look the guy the guy's phenomenal i'll tell you the one conference that's been interesting is the west coast mm-hmm. conference Mm. Now, obviously, BYU lost to Utah Valley, Mark Matson. That was on the road. I want to see if he was dancing, but uh, (laughs) that's one thing we know he can't do. Uh, But, I mean, the West Coast Conference has really had 
had an incredible start to their season. I mean, San Francisco's playing really well. Herb Senek's got Santa Clara playing well, even though they had a tough loss to, to Fresno State. Uh, St. Mary's is obviously going to be always very, very good and hard to play against. Uh, uh, what's what's my guy's name? 42? Fotu? Dan Fotu. Dan, Dan Fotu. That dude can <laughs> flat ball. I love the fact that he comes off the bench. I like how he, I like how I like how he picked his number. He said I picked my number because I, of my name, Fotu. <laughs> That's pretty good. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's it's unbelievable. But I mean, like, so you're going to have some, like you you say, well, if the ACC is down and maybe the you know, Big Ten's not as deep, I do think the Big Twelve is fairly deep. Uh, we can't go through this this podcast though with all right Arizona State Oof. against Washington State. They combined for 29 points in the first half. That you know, I was sitting there watching. I was thinking, all right, what what enjoyment can I get out of this game? And the, the only thing I could come up with is thank God Billis isn't doing this game. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? What what what, what, what Billis have said? This is unwatchable. <laughs> it, might, it actually might have been kind of entertaining if it's going to be that hor- you know that horrible. It actually might be somewhat entertaining. You know, I could have repainted the rims at halftime for both teams. But, but can you? What, what is the halftime speech when you come in? You go look. Are you right talking now? to me because you know my yeah. team sucked? That well, no. Bad, but, but I mean, can you imagine what the coaches say? And say, all right, right now we suck. So we have to make them suck worse. And, and he, he did, you know, I, I think Washington State did a really good job of making Arizona State suck more than they did. I mean, the speech is all easy. We couldn't be any worse. I like, it was the like, defense. It, it was the oh, defense. Man. You know what? It, it, yeah, exactly. It, it, it was bad. I, I just, Jay, were you on the staff when, when Bobby played? Yeah, yeah. All right, now he's one of the most fiercely competitive human beings that I've I've seen in terms of just internally competitive, like how do do you, how do you like to me? I mean, that's a hard thing to deal with when. Yeah. But, but, you know, I think we've all been through situations where things were really bad in a game. Maybe not. I've never been through the, you know, 29 point thing uh, in a 40 minute game. But what, what I would say is like Bobby, Bobby Hurley's teams, uh, over the past have been really good offensively. They put a lot of points on the board. So that's an anomaly. I mean, I think he, you know, he's probably upset about it, but you kind of got to flush that one and move on. Um, you know, I mean, how how do you, how do you get mad at missed shots? You know, who doesn't have to move on? Chris Chris Altman, because he just beat Duke and he's getting ready to open up Big Ten play, which is like crazy. You get a chance you know, to enjoy it for a little bit, and then you realize, you know, you got Big Ten play. Chris, thank you very much. I know you've got an important night tonight, your daughter's recital, but uh, we really appreciate you being with us. You have a little bit too much hair for the normal people that come on this show. That's right. <laughs> but, but it is going gray. Just, you know, first thoughts, uh, the other night, great, just an unbelievable atmosphere uh, yeah. in Columbus, and you survived Billis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goal number one, right? Um, yeah, listen, uh, it, it was a great environment. Sorry about the background here, guys. I'm just finishing up uh, uh, my daughter's recital, um, and you guys, you know, you guys know how those those things go. So, uh, yeah, it was a great night. We had a great atmosphere, and. Um, you know, it was a unique because I think obviously this being Coach K's last year, 
Duke being Duke uh, and the fact that, um, you know, they have some, some really talented players, including a lottery pick um, made it for a really intriguing matchup for our fans. And they, they showed out for sure. Chris, were you planning on with the game offensive game plan? Were you planning on Zed Key being one on one down low with Mark Williams because he got you guys off to a great start? Mark blocked one, but then he regained his confidence in the second half. Was that something that was part of the game plan that you knew that was going to take shape, or did it take shape you know, during the game? It really wasn't. Uh, we thought we thought that's a strength for us, so we thought we could get potentially some deep post ups. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we try to do that. You know, I, I've kind of stolen that from, from Tom, Tom's team used to have those bigs that would rim run and get deep post-ups. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know how, um, Mark's size would affect Zed, although he's seen great size and all, and always been able to really respond, uh, and, and score over guys cause he's long and he gets it deep enough. But uh, I don't think we anticipated that it would look like that. Now, they pressure more than they have, as you guys know, and as mentioned and Jay mentioned on air, and they really get into you, which opened the floor. And in some other cases, you know, we were either going to turn it over or throw it in the post one-on-one. And, you know, I I like that option better. Chris, what did you say at halftime? Because I, a lot of a lot of teams with inexperienced players might have thought, you know, we're missing free throws. We've turned the ball over against pressure a few times. We're down. Uh, what was your message to your guys? Because they, they were really resilient in the second half, I thought. Yeah, I, you know, I appreciate you saying that. And I think if, you, if there's any takeaway from, from that game, it is that. I thought we were really resilient. We went into the game feeling like we were going to be really need to be really resilient. And we've, we've been good with that this year. This was our best performance uh, on that. end. I just, you know, really, I thought we had some, some unforced errors, some self-inflicted wounds, Jay, that, that they, you know, they were able to do some things, but we, we had a couple plays where we were in traffic and tried to dribble before picking up the ball, you know, which we worked on today, just simple stuff that we need to be better the missed free throws are one thing. I didn't really mention that. Um, but I just felt like there were some things that if we could do it better, if we could force them to score um, against a set defense, then potentially we could get it to within a two-possession game. You know, for us, we preach all the time about, which is harder to do than it is to say, obviously, but really win the possession in front of us. And I felt like if we could do that enough, maybe we'd have a chance. All right. When did you decide that Cedric Russell was going to come in and just play his, you know, tail off? I know when I was in practice, uh, you know, in the fall, he was still trying to kind of get his feet wet, understand who you guys are, how you win, his role, identity, and kind of like what the difference between Ohio State basketball and the situation was in. Which he was, he played for a really good coach, but it's two really different did. worlds. Uh, yeah. Did you see that coming along? Did you see the light bulb coming on? Yeah, he's he's gotten better and better. I feel like I said for the first 20 practices, they said you're not going to be able to get that shot off against <laughs> high-level opponents, you know. And he's like, you know, he looks at me sometimes like, Coach, I just had 30 last year against Baylor. I think they won the national championship. You know, it's tough to – I don't have a really – I don't have a response to that. But, but I, he struggled – he struggled early just with some, some of the demands. You're right, he played for a great coach down there. Uh, in a really good program, but just the size and the length, he struggled with that. I tell you what did it for me um, is he was in the game one minute. He's played spot minutes these last couple games, 
But you know what? He's accepted his role. Um, he's not giving away possessions. He's taking good shots and he's stayed aggressive. So uh, I put him in at the game one minute. He had actually only played one defensive possession. And uh, uh, Ryan Peden, one of my assistants, called a play and he came over and he said, Coach, no, run, run this play, which is actually a play for him, for Cedric. And um, I said, okay, let's run it. He banged a three. And uh, I felt like, okay, uh, you know, that doesn't often work, as you guys know, when coaches or when players make a decision on play calls. But he had a confident, he had a confident look. And I said, all right, he's got that kind of look tonight. And we need that from a veteran guy. Was that the uh, was that the the biggest court storm you've ever been a part of? It was a polite court storm, but a but a, a huge one. <laughs> totally legal, totally legal. <laughs> you know what? I I, I you know I didn't, you don't even project it right and think, hey, what are we going to do if we if we win court storm? Because I, I didn't know how our fans would react. Obviously, that's all. You know, we've had teams court storm on us, and it's you know on their floor. It's it's really a great respect for the opponent. Uh, I, I think it was pretty organized. I was just worried about, you know, I, I, when they started storming, we had all the Duke players and, you know, Holly Rose in the middle of it. And I said, Hey, let's just get everybody off here safely and then celebrate. And I think our, our, our staff did a good job with that. Duke's used to people's court storming on him when they beat him. So it's, just, it's, it's not, it's, it's nothing new. The lowest point in the history of Duke basketball is when they hit a half court shot against us and they, and they stormed the court. I said, they couldn't get any lower than that. Stormed the court, beating Virginia Tech. It was a respect for the opponent. I know that. <laughs> well, maybe there's some exceptions to those rules. <laughs> hey, Chris, did you, Chris, did, was at the recital tonight, was there like a 611 piano carrier you were scouting in addition to your daughter? <laughs> I was looking around. Um, you don't find many of those in sixth grade uh, girl recitals. So, unfortunately, no. <laughs> How'd she do? <laughs> she did good. Um, let's just say she has more of a future in uh, singing than she does any form of athletics. Um, so, uh, she, she's got some, she's got some good pipes on her. I, I wish she loved to, to hoop and, you know, play sports a little more. We're forcing her into that, but, uh, but no, she, she loves singing. That's awesome. That's good. Chris, my, my wife listens to all of our podcasts, so she'll get upset with me if I don't mention it. One, one of the feast week tournaments, um, in your previous job, you and I were talking in the, in the airport as we were getting ready to take off. And as yep. we were talking, everybody in my circle knows that I love salt and pepper gray hair. So you and I are talking, and I kept staring at your hair. You and I are talking, I'm staring at your hair. I said to my wife later, I wonder if Chris knew I was staring at his, at, at his hair. Because I said to my <laughs> wife, I was like, Chris, Chris has great hair. So back then, I had dreadlocks. So you got to give, uh, how can people listening, how can they maintain a nice quaff like yours and not lose theirs like we have? <laughs> Fonz, I actually remember that in the airport. I don't remember you staring at my hair, but I remember us, uh, us talking and uh, – enjoyed that conversation. You know what? Like I, a funny story early in my career, I, I start, I grade, I started graying early. And, uh, just when I became a head coach, I, um, I said, you know what I'm in. It, it, unfortunately it was like two days before media day. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to color my hair. So I went to the drugstore and got hair coloring stuff. I mean, I look like a completely different person. I went from, 
I went from salt and pepper to, to jet black, and it, I was so embarrassed. I said, hey, listen, I'm just going to roll natural from here on out. <laughs> you obviously aren't using the same person Coach K is using, because that dude doesn't have one gray hair on his head. <laughs> hey, hey, Chris, tell people how glamorous uh, it is being a head coach at Ohio State. So you beat Duke, unbelievable euphoria, and I touched base with you yesterday, and you were recruiting. You're getting ready to go yeah. out play. Yeah, we. I was. I uh, was in Orlando seeing uh, seeing a couple kids. One of which we signed. We're really excited about. Um, yeah, it is. Um, you know, your your assistants put those things. You guys know it's nonstop. You know, any day off you have, uh, right now you need to be on the road, and um, uh, you need to take advantage of that. Um, as I'm sure you guys know, those 9:30 tips press conference got over at 12:30. Um, we didn't we didn't get to bed until about 4:30 or 5. So you're hopping on a plane the next day, but it's you know, listen, our, our job is um, is as you guys know well is incredibly stressful, uh, but there there's a lot of blessings uh, to it as well. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was travel yesterday, recruiting and watching Penn State. Honestly, Justice suing. When's he gonna be back? I think we're looking at weeks away right now, Seth. I still think um, – I just don't think that uh, he, he's ready right now. Um, he's beginning a rehab. Uh, as you guys know well, you know, when you get in league play, you need guys that can get free points for you, that can get yes. to the foul line, uh, that have the ability to do that, that can play through the paint where you don't have to – it's one of the things I think Duke does at an elite level right now is they have such attacking guards. And as Jay and I talk, like like powerful guys, we need that from him. And uh, I, but I still think we're looking at uh, probably three to four weeks for him, and and definitely three to four weeks for Seth Towns as well. Mm. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you taking time away from the yes. recital uh, to be with us. I know those days are uh, they were a long time ago for myself yeah. uh, and Jay and and, and Fonz, but they are fun times. And congratulate yeah. your daughter for us, and I, we really appreciate you. You spend a little time with us. Yes. Yeah, always, always great being on with you guys and uh, enjoy watching you and look forward to seeing you down the road here. He's such a great guy. He's so he's not normal. Only, he's abnormal. Well, yeah, he's not only a great guy. He, he is legitimately a great coach. And I, I didn't know him when he was at Gardner Webb. I, I had known of him. And when he went to Butler as an assistant and he, he was an assistant to Brandon Miller, when yeah. Brandon Miller had to leave, leave the team. And I was at, Butler. I went, went to Butler for an event and I, I spent a couple hours with, with Chris Holtman and I was blown away and mm-hmm. started really, you know, uh, keeping in touch with him far more often, but really watching him going to see practice and, you know, had him down to the Bahamas, all that stuff. Um, I, I just think he's one of the elite younger coaches in, in, in the country, and we're going to be hearing hearing his name a lot. Every job that opens up, uh, you know, they're going to be knocking on his door, which is a good problem to have, you know, to stay where you are when, when somebody else knocks on your door. Jay, you've been around some great coaches. What's one thing specifically that blew you away in talking to him? You remember? I think he's got he's got an uncanny attention to to detail about what's important with his guys. So, uh, Fonz, like like he's got a um, he's got a a devotion to his core principles with a willingness to adapt to what's happening around him. So he's not rigid in anything, but but he's not going to compromise his principles. 
Mm-hmm. And I remember a few years ago at Butler, it's probably more than a few now. He's been at Ohio State for a while now, but uh, he his best player, um, he felt needed to be suspended because he wasn't he wasn't living up to what a best player should do. He didn't do anything wrong. Sure. It wasn't like he'd committed some violation or something, but he just wasn't living up to the standard he that 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 Chris felt like he should be setting for himself. So I remember talking to him about it, and uh, and he said, "I think I'm going to suspend him." And I don't know many coaches that would do that. And he wow. did it because he goes, "It's it's the best thing for him." Wow. And the the kid came back from it. They were better team for it. But I just don't know that many guys that would have done that and done it mm-hmm. in the manner he did. And I was wow. so I, I he. You know, when somebody asks her, who are the best coaches out there that aren't being talked about enough, he's always the first guy I mentioned. Wow. Brad was coaching in the Big South when he was at Gardner-Webb, and I remember the first time he played, and we'd speak after games, and he called me up. He said, that guy at Gardner-Webb, he's a really, really good young coach. And I've got to know him pretty well because of his Barry Collier's a dear friend. But mm-hmm. I watched him practice in film session this fall, and they had the smart board that's right on the court. And he he taught and he got his points across funds, mm-hmm. but he also let his players teach themselves by asking them questions uh. and, and literally saying, what do you see there? Or what would, what, what in perfect case scenario, what would we do there? Basically he was letting them instead of, you know, mm-hmm. giving them mm-hmm. the fish, he was teaching them to fish. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, it was it was really uh, and his practice and his his staff and very very even keeled, but very intense, like a a quiet, you know, a quiet intensity about Mm -hmm. him. He he, he's he's impressive. I mean, they're 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 going to be a factor, especially when they get suing back. They're going to be a factor. Mm -hmm. Seth, your your point about about uh, instead of giving him a fish, teaching him a fish. You know, in the old days, with the way coaches did it, at least my coach, he would shove a fish down your throat if you didn't like what you did. <laughs> or, he might, or he might shove it somewhere else. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Film, Fonz, when we were playing, film was a lot different than it is now. Film now is shorter. It is less uh, less um, less taxing on the player, let's, mm-hmm. let's put it. Yes. Uh, and uh, and it's uh, sometimes a lot more positive in nature than it used to be. <laughs> well, and you know, you know, Jay, that's a good point because film right now is the players after a game, they get all their clips sent yes. to them right to their iPad. Yeah. Yes. Game's over, and that video coordinator is sending their clips with, with captions uh, to look at, and, and they know if they've been they've been viewed uh, right after a game, and then you know, then they're brought in the next day one-on-one with a coach just for their clips and you're, you're, the team clips are, you know, it might be 10, 15 minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's not the watch the whole half. Yeah. And you know, where half of the guys are falling asleep and like, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're hitting it. You're hitting the guy. You're hitting the guy next to me. Goes, wake up. You don't, he's going to kill our asses. Right, right. I mean, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it, it really is. It's, it, it's, and they're watching in a lot of ways. They're probably watching more film because they're they're actually watching it. Yeah, yeah they get more out of it now. For sure, I yeah. think. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. I mean, it's a it, it's a really it's a really good thing. Qu- one quick word. All right, we got Syracuse, Villanova, Tennessee, uh, te- uh, Texas Tech. Just I know Jay, you're you're preparing for those games a little bit for this weekend. This weekend for the Jimmy V, which obviously we know is a you know is a special, even more special. I think with what Coach Vital's battling, but. 
just off the top of your head, first thoughts on on the Jimmy V in those games? Well, I think they will be really good games. You know, uh, Texas Tech is uh, has not played the toughest of schedules. They just lost to Providence, uh, but they had Terrence Shannon Jr. back, who's their leading scorer. Yeah. Uh, they've been, they've got a bunch of transfers in. They've been killing the glass. I mean, they're dominating the glass in the games they've played. But again, they haven't really played great competition. And Tennessee has to go to Colorado uh, at Colorado before they head to okay. New York. So it's kind of a, an odd road trip for Tennessee. Uh, so you know, maybe maybe Texas Tech will get a different Tennessee team because they got to play a game right before that. That that's across the country, and then the old school uh, Big East part of Villanova Syracuse is going to be really fun. Um, I, I, I think that'll be, you know, like I, I never know what to expect from Syracuse, honestly, because they're, it's one of the best shooting teams that Bayheim has had in a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think the defense is probably driving a little bit crazy, but, but you know, I, when you can score, I, I would rather watch them score a bunch of points and give up a bunch of points than not score any and not give up any. Uh, if, if, my, if I get a vote, uh, I would prefer that I would prefer the you know, sort of the three overtime game they played against uh, Indiana than watching them go to Virginia and have Virginia beat them 50 to 37 or something. How would you feel about the 24 turnover, 33 points off the 24 turnovers if you were Mike Woodson? <laughs> yeah, I would not feel as good about that. <laughs> I was surprised. I was surprised. I thought Indiana would uh, would go with some of the old like Bob Knight alignments. Um, but whatever alignment they were in, they, yeah, they, they might've, they might've thrown it away anyway, early, but they played better in the second half. They're, they're good. And Trace Jackson Davis is ridiculous. He's so wow. Good. Yes. He's good. Fonz, any thoughts before we bid it adieu? I, uh, with, with, I then said, I, I know he's not your guy, but, but, but I, I, John Fulkerson is healthy this year. He's healthy and he doesn't have to do as much because Kamua has really come along. Uh, his ability to 6'8", can shoot it, jumper, back to the basket, rebound the basketball. But uh, with John Fulkerson back in the lineup, it gives them one more guy that can be in pick-and-roll situations, that can roll, short roll, make good decisions, get on the offensive glass. I'm excited to see how both of them play together in New York next week. All right, Fonz, two things. Uh, first of all, it's always about the big guys. I understand. Of course. All right. Secondly, if you're going to be part of, you know, bald men on campus and, and this podcast, you can't admire someone else's lettuce. I mean, you just, I mean, oh, wait, that, wait, 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 that wait, was wait, back wait, in the day. That out. was before that was back in the day. I understand that. that. No, you, you I come over there. The, yeah. I have yeah. there. All right. All right. So, I mean, like we can't I mean, like we can't just fawn over someone's salty head of lettuce. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that, it's that's like you're cheating on it's like you're cheating on us. Fox, that's you're that's that you're cheating on us. No, that's when I had hair. I would never do that now. Y'all my brothers. <laughs> OK, I, I am going to sleep better, Fonz, knowing that you did not go back over to the dark side. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. And Taylor, did we miss anything? No, just a quick note, guys. Two things to promote, save you guys a little bit of breath, because we do have a little work to do once we stop this podcast. But uh, NBA Today, that is Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Malika Andrews at the helm. You can also listen to that in podcast form wherever you get your podcast. And the Woj Pod, they're promoting us over on the Woj Pod, so we should promote Adrian Wojnarowski over here. He talked to um, his guy Bobby Marks today about the Heat Bulls free agency 
probe. So uh, that should be fairly interesting. Give that a listen as well. And uh, I agree with Seth Fonz. You can't be coveting, uh, you know, other lettuce on this podcast. It's all bald men over here. All that the time. was in my past. Why are you? Are, are you going to hold me guilty for my sins of the past? <laughs> no, Wait, no, I, oh, never. And by the way, Taylor, uh, you were very obviously quiet today because you're in mourning. We understand you were in a George Washington shirt as a loyal <laughs> wow. Terrapin. You're you're basically you know the season's over already. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're better. You're better. We, I thought we've taught you better than that. I know, and um, I would never call for a coach's job anywhere, and definitely not on this podcast. So I will not do that for Mark Turgeon because I know Seth Greenberg taught me better than that. That's trashy, right, Seth? That's exactly right. <laughs> Stick with your guy. It's a long season. Yeah. Road success is always under construction. There are roadblocks, yeah. there are detours. You just got to get to the next play. Any other cliche you want me to give you? I got a thousand of them. You know, just call me and lay on the couch. I've been, I've done it many times for many people. And Taylor, you can't believe the amount, you can't believe the amount of text messages and phone calls we get to fire our producer, but we always just delete. So, <laughs> I just love like, you guys. Uh, speaking of our producer, now he's getting on me about talking about lettuce. Now, since this is the bald man on campus, how come our producer doesn't have to cut his hair? Serious? I, I, I think he off? should. I think it's That's just a camaraderie thing. It's it's about being selfless, you, a, a selfless member of a team. Thank you, Jay. We could we could make that happen at some point <laughs> in the season, you know. Maybe you some, maybe a nice charity stunt that could be fun. <laughs> we can, we at some point, that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what kind of charity would would sign up for that. But I, I would like to. I would like to see see the the shape of your skull because it might be better if you don't do that. There are some there are some skulls that need to be covered up. Yeah, and, there's, pretty, and there are some perfect ones. Yeah, that's a pretty good size melon you got there. I'm not sure how many lids will be able to cover it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a seven and five eighths hat side. That's a that's a big melon. That's right. a, yeah. That might be a that might be a bucket hat. <laughs> oh no, not bucket hat, man. All right, that's that sounds good. And by the way, Fonz, have you recovered from Oling basically saying no, Fonz, you're not going to be part of this cut in? I'm insulted, man. 13 years, he's never been mean to me. He just Cut me off at the edge right there. I'm still crying. And by the way, and by the way, I didn't even know that Billis was busting my chops on my nice compliment to KC saying what a great cutter that was. I didn't realize my mic was on. Yeah, that was uh, that was Benetti. That wasn't me. That oh, was, was, that Benetti. was that Benetti? Yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't <laughs> notice it. I didn't notice it because I had taken my headset off. I heard somebody else's voice. I'm like, nah. I'm not <laughs> 